Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Group B is set, and boy, oh boy, is it a tasty one. England! The USMNT, Iran, and Wales in a four-way scramble to reach the last 16 at the World Cup. And I've got a stellar, multicultural panel of guests to break it all down with Welsh journalist Yolo Chung, Aria Alaverdi, one of the voices behind the Golbizan podcast, and Heath Pierce, former USMNT player and one-third of the In Soccer We Trust podcast crew. The Kigo Lasso Group B deep dive begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso, Kego Lasso Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. I believe that by the time you maybe watch this, we've already reached 12,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. We keep on growing, part of the CBS Sports family. As you can see, the seasons have gone down. The domestic seasons are over, but World Cup chatter and international football takes precedent this summer, of course. And today it's all about Group B at the World Cup in November in Qatar. It's ridiculously Exciting. England, USA, Iran, and Wales now. And look at this crew. If you're watching on YouTube, you're thinking to yourself, this is the epitome of Kego Lasso. First of all, Heath Pierce, I missed you. How are you? I'm doing all right. I actually just read this morning, by the way, that Group B is considered uh, the hardest based on FIFA rankings. However, you interpret FIFA rankings. I know they've gone through a lot of changes over the years, but knowing that Group B has the highest average uh, FIFA ranking makes it an interesting one to discuss here today. It's going to be a good one for sure. And as I mentioned, we have two great guests today. One of them is returning because he was also on In Soccer. We trust uh, Heath as uh, obviously the USMNT found out the group themselves as well. But it's Aria Alaverdi from Golbezan that covers Iranian football in English, by the way. Aria, an absolute pleasure to have you on Kegolasso. How are you? Uh, very good. Thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's great to be back on. Uh, finally, the group is uh, now set in stone. We know where we're playing. Uh, we can speak about it today on your uh, on your show. Absolutely. So excited. And as you mentioned, Aria, this show, I mean, this group is set and it was done thanks to Gareth Bell taking a break from the golf course and helping Wales to get to the World Cup for the first time in 64 years. And we needed a Welsh expert, Yolo Cheng, who works for BBC Wales News. Yolo, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? Great. Uh, and an absolute ple pleasure to be here um, because obviously we're, we're the last ones at the party. But yep. it's fantastic that we can actually join you finally in this group that we've obviously known for a few weeks or a couple of months that this is our possible group, but it's, it's great that we could finally be here. I love it. I love it. Welcome, Yolo. Unbelievable. Wales completes that group, of course. And yes, if you're wondering, well, where is James Bench? Where is uh, Jonathan Johnson? Uh, maybe that can cover the England side. Well, guess what, everybody? I will do that, okay? Because obviously I grew up in England and uh, I was accidentally born there. I'll tell you about that story another time. But obviously England being close to my heart after Peru, I will be covering that side of things. So here's how it works, everybody. We're just going to go down to every nation. And obviously, we'd have an expert on each single team. Everybody will chime in. 
Uh, we'll begin with Wales. Uh, then we'll do Iran. We'll take a break. The USMNT will finish with England. Some final thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. All right, let's get things going. Wales, complete this group. Unbelievable. As we're taping, it was this week. A 64-year wait is over. Unbelievable. First of all, Yolo, how is the Welsh community feeling about this victory? Because the, you were playing against the neutral favorite, Ukraine. Everybody was rooting for Ukraine that wasn't Welsh. So that was obviously difficult. But make no mistake about it, to get back to the World Cup for so long, I mean, the majority of the Welsh uh, population has never seen Wales at the World Cup. So this is unbelievable. How, how's Wales feeling about this victory? Yeah, it was an incredibly emotional uh, day on Sunday, I think, uh, as you mentioned, it, not only because of what was at stake for Wales, but also the, the emotion and the story behind the reason the Ukraine team were there and the challenges they'd been through. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a massive, massive hurdle uh, for both teams to try and overcome, but Wales especially. I know we qualified for the last two Euros, uh, but the World Cup was the one that is still to be ticked off the list, especially for what is considered a golden generation for us. This was probably going to be Gareth, uh, Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey's last chance to get to a World Cup. So that was the stakes for that were massive. Um, I think that the whole country uh, is still in a bit of a daze, still can't quite believe that we've made it uh, and and actually still trying to process the, the whole thing because it was, it was such a tense, nervy game right to the end. Um, but it's fantastic that they've managed to to get there, and and I think it's it's a huge kind of weight off the shoulders. I think it, it, it's the one thing that we we always wanted to do the sixty four year wait. Everybody knows about that. You know, barely anybody alive remembers it, let alone actually remembers vividly watching it. it you're talking about an era where it's in black and white. Games aren't even on television, so this is the first time that pretty much anyone in Wales will get to see a set of World Cup. So I think that's a great story in itself. I know we we ruined what would have been a, a fairy tale for Ukraine, but it's still, you know, we, we did that because we had our own great story to try and complete as well. What is the belief system uh, right now in Wales for, for this group? Obviously, I spoke to Arya before, and there is a belief that Iran can finish second in, in the group. The U.S. believes they can finish second in the group or even first in the group. And I know Iran feels the same, that England have some vulnerabilities. And with this group, it seems wide open. Now, for Wales to step into this, They've done well uh, in the Euros, but it's a completely different style of opponent once you get into the global stage. I mean, what, what, are, what are, one, the chances uh, of, of how they perform in this group, and two, the belief that this national team can get out of the group stages? Yeah, I think we might be in quite a similar position to the US and Iran in that sense, where you look at the group and everybody knows that England will be favourites. So you look at maybe, you know, joining England in the top two, really. Um, and as you mentioned, the, the group on paper is the most competitive one in the World Cup because we, we're there as fourth seeds as Wales, really. But obviously, we know in, in terms of the world rankings that we're pretty much the same place as the US and Iran in, in that sense. So, and I think, you know, the bookies' odds reflect that in terms of there being a, quite a big fight for second place. I think one thing I would say, um, if we go back to Euro 2016, which is obviously the, the landmark moment for the Wales team when they got to the Euros for the first time, we got England in that group as well. What we did there was lose to England because I think that game, there was too much emotion and too much pressure on that, but we got a result and we won the other two games. Um, so actually for us, I don't think the um, playing a, a familiar team in England would necessarily be of use to us. I think we're certainly, so no disrespect to the US and Iran, but I think we'd probably be looking at those games and thinking we're going to take points off them just because 
it's England, and there's always that kind of the the, the rivalry toys with you in different ways. You can't look at it objectively, and 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 as you would to any other, even European team like Spain or Germany, for example. I think so. That's going to be a big distraction for us, and luckily for us, it's right at the end of the group, so we can kind of leave that to last. Yolo, in terms of uh, Gareth Bale, obviously he's the captain. He scored the goal against Ukraine. He hasn't played for Real Madrid that much this season. But having said that, still to this day, how important is his contribution to this team uh, going into Qatar? Yeah, it's massive. I think the presence of Bale uh, in that squad, in the dressing room, um, and just being on the pitch is more than anything. We know he's not the same explosive player that he was six, seven, eight years ago um, when when you go back to the mid-noughties. But I think it's that presence and that leadership that he plays now. It's a different kind of role that he plays. Obviously, the the goals that we scored, uh, you know, it was a free kick against Austria. It was another free kick against Ukraine. He still has it on the set pieces. He still has that leadership quality. The the other goals that he scored in the campaign, it was a hat-trick against Belarus. Two of those were penalties. And the the last one was a last-minute winner. So he's a moments player now. He pops up occasionally when we need him. He's he's not someone that will run a game for 90 minutes. We've got other players who, who can do that. He's someone who's who's evolved his game a little bit and and will still pop up with big moments. So you need him on the pitch, but his involvement is very different now to what it was. Yeah, I, I think, think that's reflected because because yeah, he he doesn't play as often. You know, he, he doesn't have that same match fitness anymore. Yeah, I think that you know the Gareth Bell question is obviously so important. He is the star here. He is the one that leads the way. But I'm you know through the process, Yolo of this team, I have been very impressed at the collective resiliency of of Wales. There's a lot of talent here. I mean, and also it's important to note, by the way, that the fact that the World Cup is in November, Yolo. I think that's going to favor Wales. Uh, the likes of Brendan Johnson, who's now going to be playing in the Premier League with Nottingham Forest, et cetera. You know, Daniel James getting a little bit more experience in action uh, with Leeds. And Gareth Bell, a free agent. Who knows where he will be? I'm sure he'll get minutes somewhere else. So do you think that helps Wales? The fact that the World Cup's still in November, there's plenty of time to get this team even more prepared for Qatar. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the unique things really with this Wales team you know certainly when you compare it to some other national teams um, like England or you know neighbouring teams the the players who play for Wales seem to almost prioritise playing for Wales uh, rather than their clubs at times certainly now that they know there's a World Cup on the horizon they've got a few months to get themselves into the squad get themselves into a team and the vast majority of them I can imagine will be looking at their summer plans or their summer moves with the World Cup in mind, where am I going to play first team football? Where am I going to get the minutes? Do I need to go out on loan because I'm not playing for my parent club? Uh, you know, Joe Road on Spurs, for example. Um, th- those are the kind of considerations that definitely they'll be thinking about. There's already talk of Gareth Bale signing for Cardiff City in the Championship, which is certainly below his level. But if that's what he feels, I can prepare the way I want and get whatever game time I want if I go and play for my hometown club rather than go sit on the bench in the Premier League then he'll do that. And I think that speaks volumes as to how important they all see this World Cup for their careers. Absolutely. Well, Wales is at the World Cup. Unbelievable stuff. And I'm sure the country will be getting ready, even more ready as as November comes to town. All right. Well, that's Wales. Uh, They complete this group. So let's move uh, to Iran, by the way, a team that is no stranger to the World Cup, of course, but it's always been historically a little bit difficult to get out of them. So, Arya, 
first of all, just give us the update because obviously the friendly against Canada was cancelled due to the Canadian uh, national team uh, saying we're not playing until certain things are rectified, including uh, deciding who will, uh, you know, insensitively be in charge from a director's perspective. Uh, some other issues with Canada, I believe they're figuring that out already. But anyway, Iran and Canada was done. So how are Team uh, Mali's preparations going right now? Well, yeah, as you said, the Canada game got cancelled. It was actually through other reasons, like political reasons as well, that got cancelled for that reason. Now uh, we are in Doha uh, doing our um, camp there uh, in scorching heat. Uh, however, they've got one game with Algeria uh, to be played on Sunday. Uh, and that's the only game we'll play for this month's uh, FIFA international break, which is a bit of a shame uh, considering... As I've said before, previously we have struggled to organize uh, friendly matches and we're only going to play one uh, this camp. So it's not... Just one not, game this whole summer. Just one game, yeah. Okay. One game this summer. Uh, maybe we'll get some in September. But that's not guaranteed. Um, the Federation, unfortunately, didn't have a, a plan B for the Canada game, which is uh, something you can't do is I think it's very amateurish for mm. them to do that, especially considering all the social media backlash of this game being uh, uh, organized in Canada. Um, all that happened and they just said, all my eggs in one basket and we're just going to play against Canada, but it got canceled. So they didn't really prepare themselves for a contingency to go and say, yeah, we can play someone else. Now they, they set up this training camp in Doha and they tried to get other teams uh, they had an offer from Uruguay that the U.S. just played, uh, but they didn't want to travel all the way to Montevideo uh, because it's too far for them to just play one game. So they just stayed in, in Doha, but they're also just playing one game. So My God, yeah. Iran, you're a little bit so, annoying, huh, when it comes to uh, international football. what's going? How are the players feeling about this? Because obviously this is the federation making these decisions. Are the players happy with it? Of course not. I don't think they will be. Some of them took to social media recently. Uh, Jahan Bakhsh, uh, one of the captains of the team, uh, Sadar Osman and uh, Taremi, who are some of the key players in this team, they took to social media to just say, you know, what is our team doing? Uh, what is what is this compared to what we used to have? Um, you know, it's not good enough. You know, we're the, the first uh, ranked team in Asia um, and yeah. we can't get a friendly game. It's not good enough, in my opinion. And I understand look the country it's not easy for them the way the country works it's not easy for them to do these things we all know that but having said that it's still not good enough in my opinion to to not have any any kind of meaningful matches played in june except one against Algeria, which is a good game but it's just one you know yeah yeah i mean with with the us we, we've talked about this for months uh, of just how important these build-up matches are, right? And you realize the rest of the nations, everybody, everybody's in a scramble to get as many minutes as they can against a World Cup quality opponents. And now that seems to be lacking for Iran. With a number of those players uh, at a domestic base, is there a value in bringing that group together for outside of the national team windows to, to have that group together? Is there an opportunity for that? Because it just seems like time is passing and, mm -hmm. and the World Cup's going to happen without there being any real preparation for the tournament. It's a great point you make, Heath, because uh, under Carlos Queiroz before the 2018 World Cup, he made it a thing where he would bring in uh, PGPL, Persian Gulf Pro League uh, players in uh, for recovery training uh, at the end of the week to get the players together, you know, all the league players together just to train within the, the national team setting in the national team camp with the national team coaches. 
I just actually interviewed the assistant coach for the national team, Mario Tot. Um, he told me that they won't be doing that. He believes that they uh, don't have don't see any benefit in bringing players in just for one day and then sending them back to their clubs again. They can just do recovery at their clubs. That's his that's his choice. Personally, I would have done what you said, bring them in together, get them more training. Uh, but they don't want to do that. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but a lot of our players are foreign-based players anyway, so that's not really uh, much of a, an issue just now. Aria, I was just wondering, um, you know, how much pressure is there at the moment in terms of uh, the, the Iran team going into this World Cup in terms of, you know, it, it's 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 as close to a home World Cup as they could get at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, they, they, they gave a good account for themselves at the last World Cup as well. It, is this being seen as one that they really should be making their mark on? Well, the objective for the national team of Iran is to qualify for the second round. That's what they want to do, right? They don't want to go there and finish third and fourth place. They want to finish second. That's that's they've been to two World Cups now. They've done well, you know. In in 2014, they did really get good against Argentina. They got unlucky to lose against Portugal and Spain. Did really well, but now their objective: can we get to the second round of the of the World Cup? But as I said, the preparation hasn't reached a standard where you can uh, succeed in that objective. So uh, the fans are super excited. You know, me personally, I'm so excited to see our players go to the World Cup. And, and you know, I know that they have the fight and the passion and they will show that. No doubt about it. I don't have any doubt that they will do that and the coach will do his best uh, to get them to that standard. But the Federation, unfortunately, haven't done enough to match that. Uh, that passion from the players and the fans. What other players to watch, Aria? What do you think? Uh, there's because there, there is some talent there, of course. Sardar as Moon. Uh, anybody else that, that we should be looking out for as we head towards November? Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, uh, as I said, Sardar Osmoon, Taramito, the two of the top scoring strikers in Europe. Uh, mm. You know, Osmoon done really well just now. He moved, moved to Bayer Leverkusen in Germany. Uh, Taramito, one of the top goal scorers in, in the Portuguese league for Porto. Uh, and um, recently, a uh, new player, uh, Sayad Manesh, who's moved to Hull City, uh, done really well there in the championship. Um, and of course, you know, no doubt about it, we have players in all positions uh, that can be very effective uh, against these teams at the World Cup, despite the the quality of, of England. It, all these players can do well. Um, it just is it, does it come together uh, collectively at the World Cup. That's the question we want because we know we have players excited at Tolai, Ali Kodezadeh, Jahan Bakhsh, uh, Majid Hosseini, great players, but can they come together collectively to be yeah. successful? Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah. You, you know, the la last question I wanted to ask on that is just form, right? I think for the US, for Iran, for Wales, a lot of it is about playing time and form of these players. We're talking about now, I know a number of players across all three of these national teams, England aside, need moves, they need to be in, in consistent playing environments. Do you think that's going to play a big factor for Iran come come the World Cup in terms of the best players or even the squad players getting regular time at their clubs? Well, a guy like Salman Rodus, who's at Brentford just now, hasn't played for Brentford uh, that much this season. Our number one goalkeeper, Ariza Beiron Vand, uh, who was at Boa Vista in Portugal, has just moved back to the Iranian League of Persepolis for playing time. We've players who've Similar positions haven't had a lot of game time. The most important thing is the game time, regardless of where they play at, the, at this point. Because as I said, there's no, there's no preparation games, so they need the playing time at club level. Of course, we want our players to be playing at a high level, 
Um, for the number of years, Iranian players haven't really been at the top European leagues. We're starting to do that now. It's starting to get really uh, successful in getting players at these leagues. But now the question is, can these players now get a bit of a run of games uh, up to the November World Cup so that when they get there, not only are they prepared, but they've got a bit of uh, a bit of a mental edge, you know, that I've, I'm ready, you know, uh, uh, and I'm going to go out there and, uh, and be ready for this match in terms of match fitness, you know, because if you're not, if you're not match fit, then you're also going to have a bit of a, you know, you're not going to feel good about yourself, you know, you know, should I be playing? Technically speaking, no, because you're not played at <laughs> club level, but you're an important play, play for the team. So we need you. That's the kind of mentality they'll have if the players don't play. Well, the fact remains, Iran is back at the World Cup. And to Yolo's point, I think being in the Middle East might help them uh, in the tournament. It might make them feel, you know, uh, a little bit more comfortable within this group. But we will see how that will entail. We're going to take a break now. And when we come back, well, 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 we're going to get to the USM and T and England. And my goodness, I can't wait to dive in here. Group B, World Cup. Go Lasso, Heath Pierce, Ari Alaverdi, and Yolo Cheng, and LME will be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kigolasso Group B. We have done Iran and Wales. Fantastic stuff there from Yolo and Aria. All right, let's get to the United States of America. Heath Pierce, USMNT. All right, they're looking good. I gave them an A minus so far. That's what I've given them so far. Qualify for the World Cup. Fantastic stuff from Greg Berhalter. A developing team, lots of talent, including Brendan Aronson. We know about Christian Pulisic, of course, but there's more and more talent coming through. The number nine position reminds an injury. There's so much to discuss, but you tied against Uruguay and destroyed Morocco at home. Talk to me. How are you feeling about the USMNT right now? Uh, I mean, I, I'm a lot more excited about their potential now that I've seen them against other opponents. Granted, those were friendlies versus what we saw in World Cup qualifying, which is a grind. It's a different style of play. You kind of lose hope in the way that the team was playing. But now that they played against a more diverse type of opponent, I'm pretty excited about their ability to match up against different styles of play, their ability to withstand pressure for long periods, their ability to sort of weather uh, difficult moments in the game. 
but there is still some of this youth to them. There's still some vulnerabilities within this team that I worry about. There's injuries. There's going to be uh, playing time issues. We've got a number six, seven players that probably need to make a move that are core to this starting lineup and this team need to make a move this summer. So overall, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited than I was a couple of months ago, but still a lot of work to do. Uh, Heath, it's quite a young US team though, isn't it? Is, is that a concern for you in terms of that lack of experience or does that kind of feed through? You're, you're a tournament team. You go there quite often. How, how is that dynamic going to play out? Yeah, it's a really important factor within this team. One, obviously, that youthfulness has brought this team together because they all came into World Cup qualifying. You go back to our Nations League where we beat Mexico, the Gold Cup where we beat Mexico. And I know that those are regional rivalries and not as important in the context of a World Cup. But they've done a good job of bringing this young group together consistently through the last couple of years to get them the experience needed to, one, qualify for World Cup and now have this belief that they can compete. You add that to the to quality of young players now playing at big clubs in very difficult and stressful environments. I think it's going to be uh, a positive in the end. But ultimately, none of these players have played in a World Cup bar uh, DeAndre Yedlin and maybe one other within the squad. So there's going to be that pressure that they haven't felt before. There's going to be this stage that they've never reached. And I think that may play uh, into the advantage of other teams within the group. Again, when you look at this group and the, and the teams that they're going to be playing against with uh, ultimately Wales and, and, and Iran, I think the U.S. like those two, like their chances on any given day to be able to compete and get out with the result. But being the youngest team in the World Cup could either work to their advantage and be that chip on the shoulder to prove the world that the U.S. has arrived and we can play and we've got this future of talent happening. Or it could all crumble knowing that with youth, you get inconsistency. And at the international level, if you have three young players not performing or having their off day like you have with any young player, it could lead to poor results and they could be out in the group stages. All right, very quickly, Heath, honestly, let's talk. Let's go back to the number nine position. To me, it's a worrying thing yeah. if I'm looking at this team. I think there is no doubt on how talented they are. And the Tyler Adams, uh, McKenney, Yunus Musa triangles, beautiful. You got depth in goalkeeping positions. I think Anthony Robinson is... Growing and growing. Defense is very resilient. You know, uh, a stalemate against Uruguay is no joke. Uh, another clean sheet against Morocco as well. But up front, when things, when you need a clinical number nine, I'm still waiting for that. Ferreira's good, but obviously untested. How worried are you about that number nine spot? Yeah, I'm, I'm really worried. I think Iran, if they were to sit in a deep block in the in the World Cup and, and play off the counter, it's going to be a struggle for the U.S. Uh, to be able to break them down and create real opportunities considering there's not a ton of dynamic movement or, or continuity within the attacking four or five players. That continues to be a theme against teams that sit in a deep block. When I think about Wales just matching up, making it really difficult for the U.S. of, of just scrapping and battling for 50-50 balls, keeping the U.S. uncomfortable. I think even in that type of match, the U.S. Con uh, continues to struggle to find a good run of form in the attacking third. And that all comes down to that number nine position. We have uh, Ferreira, who is great at the at the club level. We've got Ricardo Pepe, who, who is, is sort of the potential superstar talent that hasn't scored since la last October. We've got Daryl DK, who's, who's continuing to come back from injury. We've got Haji Wright, who's now sort of our new hope. Uh, but all in all, there's not been one player that's one continue to show that ability to contribute at the national team level, which comes down to, you know, one or two chances and being able to finish those and, and also create and find a way to bring the other players into the attack around them. I think that's where the U S really struggles that the goal production might be the thing that hurts the U S the most. Uh, if we're talking about potential and this youthful squad. Yeah. Heath, to just ask the next question, obviously on your other podcast and soccer, we trust you mentioned that you don't really fancy Adams McKinney and Musa together. 
Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, obviously, they are very good players, but they're not necessarily like playmakers, attacking midfielders, you know, to link the ball to the striker, whoever is going to be up front. All right, of course you did your research, man. You're trying to get me in trouble and make me have to say this on another podcast about <laughs> these guys, it, man. I'm, I just, I'm going to lose three friends today. Uh, no, I mean, look, I, 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 I do believe that defensively or conservatively, that is the best three-man midfield that we have. I just think that we lack uh, attacking output in terms of how we, how, we, how we create things in the attack and the run of play against the run of play. Uh, things like that. Now, with McKinney on the field, you always have an opportunity on set pieces. He's also got that X factor that Yolo was talking about with Gareth Bale, where they can be a difference maker in big moments in the box to create things when things are really tight. But in the run of play, I think we lack that fluidity in our buildup that that I think, uh, whether that's Brennan Aronson could be in, in that center position, maybe Gio Reyna if he comes back, but just something that can link that midfield to the attack and create a little bit more of that creative, dynamic movements, take a little bit more of that risk going forward. Now, Having said that, when you go into a World Cup and you're in your first game, that's very different group play than your second game in terms of the risks and how those results are. Playing out a group is very different than qualifying over 14 games or or playing in a friendly match. And so that's going to come into that factor as well. But when I look at the sample size that we've had throughout World Cup qualifying, when we build the roster, you look at Musa McKinney and Adams, you go, those are the first three you need to have on the field because they're consistent. They're, they're not going to have the highs and lows. They play well off of each other. But now when you're looking at advancing this national team, how are we going to be more dangerous in the attack, addressing some of these weaknesses and vulnerabilities that we have? That's certainly one of the areas that I think, is that the right thing? And I don't know whether you take off uh, Musa because he's so good at advancing the ball forward, but isn't great in the final third or, or link, linking play. Uh, McKinney, who's also fantastic at, that, uh, at moving the ball forward, but none of them really, like you mentioned, Arya, being that, number 10 or that attacking midfielder or that person who's willing to take those risks or cheat a little bit more forward. So it's something that I worry about in terms of our goal production. And if we're going to try to play for draws or play for a point, that's, that's fine in certain circumstances, but at a certain point, we're going to have to take more risk and put a more attacking minded player on the field. And I prefer that at least now in these run-up games, just to see what we have, because we've gone consistently with MMA as we call them uh, and haven't had a chance to have a different look. A uh, quick question here from uh, Christian Pulisic. Um, how concerned are you at, at the kind of maybe lack of game time or the lack of consistency, especially, also in terms of you know the position he gets picked at Chelsea and how that affects him for the US national team? Because obviously he's, he's quite a key player. Yeah, Pulisic is an interesting one, obviously. when He tends to get his form back when he comes into the national team, so I'm not worried about that. But now we're seeing a little bit of a different Christian Pulisic. He's got a little bit of anger to him right now. You know, he's a little angry. He's going to social media a little bit more. He's a little bit more aggressive towards referees and opponents. And he's kind of got this kind of me against the world type of attitude. At Thoughts the on that uh, comment, Heath, that the American, about he, he wanted more Americans in the Morocco game. Uh, uh, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, that one I think got uh, pulled out of proportion because obviously there's a lot of Moroccan Americans there that are just as American as everybody else, and I don't think it was it was so much. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, yeah. It wasn't. I don't think it was a political statement as much as it was saying, "Hey, he just we're on, more people." Yeah, we're in this tune-up for for the World Cup. I I would hope that when we go to play in 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 any city that we're going to have primarily U.S. supporting fans. Now, having said that, there's obviously a the U.S. was built on this diaspora of cultures and communities that if Morocco come to the U.S., you better believe. Moroccans who are obsessed with football are going to travel in to see those matches and compete in any way just trying to get tickets for those games. Having said that, there were still 6,000 tickets that weren't sold for that match in a local market that you expect that to be sold out 
And hey, he, you know what you should do? Hire yeah. Peruvians because we go everywhere. We're oh, yeah. everywhere. I've been to Peruvian games. I've watched Peruvians <laughs> fighting Peruvians outside of stadiums at Red Bull Arena, knocking each other out before all going to support the national team uh, together once they go in the stadium after that party's over. So I agree. The Peruvians know how to travel. Yeah, they're, they're training right now in yeah. Barcelona. They're traveling to Doha, but there's a Barcelona is like, where are all these Peruvians coming from? But it's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, I, yeah. uh, final thoughts on the USMNT. Uh, you know, I, you know, preparations between now and the end of November. How important is it for, you know, Brendan Aronson is now going to be in the Premier League. We're talking about a goalkeeper, 18-year-old goalkeeper, uh, Gaga Solina, who might be going to Real Madrid. There's a lot of um, excitement as we head into next season. Is, is that a focus for you now as well, to get more minutes for these people, for these players, not just in MLS, but also in Europe? Yeah, I think that's the number one factor, right? We have a goalkeeper issue where we've got Matt Turner going to Arsenal. He's gonna, he will definitely be the number two there. If Zach Steffen stays at City, he'll be the number two. Sean Johnson just got an appearance finally. He's gonna be playing consistently at 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 NYCFC, and then you got Gaga Slonina, who's also gonna not be playing. So there's a number of, and that's just the theme at goalkeeper position. Now, if you look across the board from Tyler Adams to Weston McKinney to a number of these players that are pushing themselves to play at the highest level, the risk of that is not playing. And now we have this window, hopefully this transfer window cleans up some of that where we have the majority of our players coming into form. Now, if Christian Pulisic is in and out of Chelsea, I still think he's going to be a starter. If you have other players on the field, they'll they'll still be starters. Timo Weah is a player that needs to be playing consistent minutes. So I think playing time is the theme. We have a window of time that we can clean all of that up, but it'll certainly be a, a really alarming thing if we're in the same situation now uh, come World Cup time. One thing is for sure, though, the job has been accomplished as it wasn't the case in 2018. The USMNT is at the World Cup, and that has to be exciting for the youngest uh, roster at this World Cup. Definitely one of them, at least. All right, let's uh, wrap up with the three Lions. England, arguably the favorite to win this group. In my opinion, they're entering this World Cup, everybody, with the most talented roster since, honestly, winning 1966. That's how deep they are. However, England's biggest enemy is always England themselves. And I feel like, you know, specifically now with this recent loss to Hungary, insanity is the perfect description. You know, what would the description of insanity, what Gareth Southgate is doing, trying to do the same thing over and over again, expecting uh, different results. But make no mistake about it. This is a very strong team. Obviously, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, you know, the likes of Jack Grealish coming off the bench, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Jared Bowen, hopefully will get some minutes. And at the back, Harry Maguire, uh, John Stones with Jordan Pickford, very resilient at the back. This is a very good English side. And again, just like the narrative we've gone on from the very beginning of the show, everybody, England has also the advantage of getting even better as the beginning of next season comes into play. However, it's going to be tricky to find out exactly just how good England can actually be at this World Cup in a very new situation for everybody, which begins in November. There's no doubt that winning this group is their objective. It should be their objective, but it's not going to be easy with the likes of a of an intercontinental rival like the USMNT, a familiar foe at the World Cup like Iran, and of course a neighbor like Wales. Uh, it shouldn't be that uh, you know easy as big. So basically, let, let's go with this then. Uh, you know. Heath, let's begin with you. Like from a USMNT perspective, they're going to be facing each other on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. I know that there's a lot back and forth, obviously, between the USMNT and England fan base. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, fun jokes, et cetera. But how how worried are, are you about this England side? How excited are you about the prospect of uh, playing them again at the World Cup? Well, I think for the US, I, I'm, I'm excited to play them 
not first. Uh, I know Iran have to play them first, and, and that's going to certainly be something. Wales have to play them last, which is also going to be something. And I think the U.S. got the lucky draw of being able to potentially get points in their first game or not get points and know what the circumstances will be against uh, England in, in their matchup. And so I, I, I like where the U.S. kind of fits into that, that equation. And, and we certainly got the luckiest in terms of the, the way they're going to come out. Obviously, we talk, uh, we're, we're arguing about depth and playing time where England are four or five deep in every position for the most part. But between the U.S., I- Iran, and, and Wales, it's going to be probably who takes a point off of England at some point that's going to have the best chance of going through as the number two team. I think the U.S. is, again, in the right position within the group to be able to, to, to do that because England could get three points in the first game and rotate a little bit or just they, they, they have a different navigation to, to win the group stage than I think the rest of the teams do. And I think the U.S. is primed to, to be able to hopefully capitalize on that. The question I've got is is interesting because obviously I'm a AC Milan fan, as you can see up there. Um, <laughs> I know Fikao, where you're going, Aria. Go ahead. Uh, look, Fikao Tomori has to start for me, right? No mm. doubt about it. He's been absolutely immense for Milan this season, you know, in, in winning the Scudetto. Um, obviously, sorry for any Man United fans, but Harry Maguire, you know, he's he is what he is. You know, he's not a particularly uh, you know quick player for example and obviously Tomori was injured for this camp but do you think that a guy like him next to like a John Stones should really be the way England goes forward uh, 100% in, in the World Cup 100% Fikai Tomori just has to be in this squad I mean the thing is like it's very difficult first of all unfortunately I feel that Gareth Southgate has uh a sort of uh, loyalty to Harry Maguire because of how consistent he can be he's not magnificent and he's not awful and for England to be fair when he puts on that shirt he definitely performs better uh than than Manchester United then you go but then you're thinking about players like Connor Cody should Fikayo Tomori be there ahead of somebody like that or you know and next to your point John Stearns absolutely right Tyron Mings as well I'm an Aston Villa fan but like Fikayo Tomori just won Scudetto. This is a, a player that's going to continue developing. He should be playing. And I think at the back is what's going to be intriguing for me because England likes to play this sort of uh, three at the back. He had Kyle Walker right next to Connor Cody and Harry Maguire against Hungary, and he loves to like bring in like 27 right backs. So, you know, to, for me, that's going to be Gareth Southgate's decision in terms of what formations he wants to bring. Because my worry is that Tomori deserves to be in here but is he going to risk the fact of like, you know, how he likes to bring so many fullbacks, right? Trent Alexander-Arnold, Harry Walker, Kyle Walker starts as well. We obviously saw that Justin came in, came in James Justin as well. On the other side, didn't have a particularly good uh, game. Reese James was also part of this as well. So does Fikai Tomori deserve to be in this lineup, in this squad? 100%. But it's going to have to come at the cost of Gareth Southgate being to be a little bit more versatile with his formations. And that's the king. Yolo, I know that you're you're, you're yeah. chiming in here on this. Yeah, I think it, it, the difficult one is there are so many good right backs that England have that one of them inevitably gets played at right centre back. Then you have Maguire who can't be dropped because it would just be too symbolically damaging for Southgate. And then it leaves one left centre back position where obviously, and unless you say, oh, I'm going to slot Tamori in there. Well, we know Southgate prefers to have a left-footed centre-back or whatever it is. It, 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 he does seem to have quite a bit of loyalty towards those plays that he has picked, and that's that obviously does count against Tamori. Um, but, but it also counts against him then because, as we know, England has a massive pool of 
good players to pick from. So in, at any given time, some of them are in good form, some of them are not. And then you get criticised for not picking them, even though what he clearly is trying to do is get some consistency in selection. And so that's why you see players still getting picked when they're out of form for the clubs, even though they perform quite well for England. But it's quite hard then to try and persuade the fans that that's the right thing to do. LME, do you think do you think that there is a legitimate shot at a run to a World Cup here? I mean, it's a pretty difficult pathway for England uh, if you look at the way that the groups have sort of the pot settled out. I, I mean, do you think that there is there is that belief, and do you think that that you know I think they'll win. I think they'll win the group. Um, I, I truly believe that. But do you think that there is a belief that they're looking beyond that and they can have that run all the way to the end? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And it's a tricky one because on paper, they should be, right? And when they asked me my top four favorites to win the World Cup, England actually happened to be my number two because on paper, this team should at the very least reach the semifinals. I mean, it's so deep. I mean, it's... it. But the they'd likely is, have, they'd have to go through uh, France, I think, at the round of 16. Which I think or, they can beat. And, which yeah. I think they can beat. I think they can do it. But again, I go back to my first sentence. England's biggest enemy is England. They just they, they need to figure out a way of having a bigger killing instinct. With the likes of Jared Bowen on one side, Mason Mount on the other, sandwiching in between Harry Kane. How is it that you're not even able to do anything against the Hungarian side, who, by the way, didn't have a full crowd in front of them as well? And the thing is, it's not the first time we've seen this. Now, you know, they had a good game, a good run, obviously, in the year 2020. They went to the finals. They lost to Italy. And again, uh, to penalties. So, it's a, you know, there's no shame in that. But once again, they need to enter a comp because they haven't won it. Everybody, England fans know this. Nothing. They haven't won a tournament since 1966. So this squad is good enough to do it. But to your point, Heath, it's going to be very, very difficult. I have Brazil as my favorite to win this whole thing. I just think they're just stupid deep. But England equally have that side. It's just that Gareth Southgate to me is this guy that wins the lottery and has no idea how to spend the money. <laughs> like that, that to me is England. And he has to figure out how to spend this money and spend it wisely. And if they can do that, then then winning the group is the very least of it. And to your point, going further and further, they can beat France. They can totally do it. I mean, France are ridiculous, but we've seen it already. They're also very reactive as a squad. England need to take president. And they need to just say, well, maybe, maybe not just having Harry Kane as a sole striker is the only solution. Maybe we should really utilize the likes of, you know, uh, you know, other play other players like like Tammy Abraham. Should he get some more minutes in there? Bukayo Saka starting from the start. You know, there's so many options. It's just that Gareth Southgate has to figure them out. All right. Well, that was the end of the group, by the way. Fantastic stuff. Iran, Wales, the USMNT, England. So let's do this. Let's do some final thoughts. And let's with the final thoughts, let's do some predictions here. Okay. <laughs> let's put everybody to the test. I want you to tell me, and I'm sure we're going to get some interesting <laughs> answers right now. <laughs> let's go. And YOLO, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to tell me, my friend, what you think this group, you don't have to give me the points thing, but like first, who gets out of this group? Who gets out of this group in group B, YOLO? Right now. And don't worry, you're allowed to change your mind between now and November. So it's just that we're asking you right now. Who gets out of Group B? I'd have to say uh, Wales and England. Uh, in England, that order, yeah. Yola? No, well, <laughs> I, I would love it to be in that order. Um, England, I can't see them getting knocked out of the group. So they'd have to be one of the two teams. So England uh, wins it. England probably wins it. Uh, and one thing I would say is that even though we very rarely get to tournaments, uh, Wales have been to three tournaments in their history. We got out the group stage in all three. So we seem to be a team nice that we don't stat. turn up very often, but 
we're quite a good tournament team. <laughs> so I'd, I'd have to back us there. But to be honest, I think Wales fans would be happy just to see us score a goal and win. I don't think expectations are too high among the fans. The team would feel different. I'm sure they would look at it and think we can qualify out of that. But you know, I think the fans are just there to enjoy themselves. All right. Well, you have England and Wales in second there. And to your point, a very good factoid here. Every time you've been at the World Cup, you've actually gotten out of the group. That's good. Aria, I'm sure your answer is different. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you're a realist. Maybe you're an optimist. I don't know. What do you think? How does this group finish? Uh, right, for me, personally speaking, uh, knowing the Iranian team, knowing also the Welsh and the US team and the English team, I believe Iran, uh, are first of all, very experienced at the World Cup, so that's a, a big advantage for them. If they prepare themselves properly, I think they beat USA and Wales. I personally believe that. I'm not just saying that as an Iranian fan, I, I believe that we have very good players, our strikers are fantastic. Most teams struggle to keep those guys contained even teams that we played in friendlies before. So if we prepare ourselves, I think we can finish second place. If not, we will struggle. There's no doubt about it because the US, the Welsh team and the English team will come prepared, no doubt. And if we don't get to that level, then I think we'll struggle. I, I, I believe that. And I really hope that that doesn't happen because we have an objective that, as I said, we've tried to reach for the last three World Cups. This time, hopefully, it happens, but it really comes down to how much the governing body in Iran are, are going to help. That's the, the reality of it. Uh, I do think we will finish second or third. I'm not going to be, you know, super optimistic and super pessimistic. I just feel like second or third is probably where we're aiming aiming to get, the, considering our preparation just now. And England wins your group. Uh, yes, England should. England have to win it, right? Yeah. I mean, they, the they have to win least. it. I yeah. mean, if they don't win it, then what are they doing? You know? the what are they doing indeed? But yes, to your point, Arya, Iran, it looks like, and everything that you've told us during this show, they need some games, they need some matches, and they need to keep developing as they look to November. Heath Pierce, I know where you're going, my friend. Surely the American bravado is here to stay. Oh, yeah. Talk to me. All What's these the group look all like? these all these tea drinking countries, you know, like uh, you know, we we like our coffee and our hamburgers and uh, you know uh, from the diner. No, I mean, look, I think the U.S. I think it's going to come down to the very first game against against Wales. And if the U.S. get three points there, then I think the U.S. finish second in this group because there's a momentum that will come with it. I also think the U.S. match up best with Wales in terms of just a lot of that game being competed in the in the midfield. Not in and around the goal with the goal mouths for for large periods, not having to defend for large periods. In fact, probably maybe getting a little more of the possession against a team like Wales. But but if they can come out of that with three points, then the U.S. finish second in that group. If they don't, if they lose all three, then I think this team and this lack of experience that they have maybe falls a little short. That we look back at this and start you know talking about 2026 by the second game of the group and how this is a project team and how this is about the future and all that sort of stuff. But if they win against Wales, then I think the U.S. finish second in this group behind England. Yeah, no, I like it. And I think, I'm sorry, Aria and uh, Yola, but I'm going to have to, Yolo, and I'm going to have to concur with our friend Heath. I think, listen, I want to be a romantic with Wales just because, like, I love this sentiment. I have a very good friend from acting school who's Welsh Paraguayan, and, and she wouldn't stop talking about both her nations. And it was great to see. And the fact that they're going to be back after 64 years is amazing. But the USMNT is too talented. And by that point, too ready to do this. My only worry about Heath Pierce about the USMNT is like their away record is not great. It's not good. 
I, I kind of want to see how they do away from the U.S. But I think that will come in time leading up to November. Well, I mean, but that's the, the World Cup is a, a the U.S. is one of the largest traveling contingents. So, you know, you're going to yeah. have a, a, a large a large fan base there. And those are always weirdly neutral environments anyway, like not in terms in terms of like supporter sections. You get noise, but it won't be that crazy so yeah the us yeah, is the not, air not, conditioners not, will be on so you'll be able to hear anything <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. just a hum <laughs> all right well i'm going with england winning it and the usmnt coming second uh but you know i could be wrong i've been wrong many many times before but thank you everybody this was group b the world cup what a ridiculously good preview by the way i'm so happy uh yolo thank you so much for being part of the show my friend Oh, thank you for having me. It's been lovely to chat about our qualification, and I'm sure we'll continue doing it for months now in Wales leading up to the World Cup. Absolutely. Aria, an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, check out our podcast. We'll be covering the, the World Cup group as well. And uh, yeah, hope to, hope to be on soon. Absolutely. That's at Golbazan, G-O-L-B-E-Z-A-N. Check it out uh, as well. And Heath Pierce. Heath, a lot going on within soccer we trust, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot going on there. We're going to continue to, to to keep talking. Obviously, a big window for for the U.S. national team right now. We'll continue to be covering that and 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 bring on some good good guests soon. But shame on you, Luis, for trying to make all of us predict things, knowing how emotional we are about our national team. Heath, you know what I just did a few weeks ago? I had to predict the whole damn tournament. And it oh, was you know like, what? 2018 was amazing for me because I didn't have to worry about anything. I know. The US wasn't there. You know, I went there yeah. as a fan of the sport. Sometimes it's easier. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Thank you to Heath Pierce at Heath Pierce in soccer. We trust co-host as well. He's got so much going on with Charlie Davis and Jimmy Conrad uh, coming up during this summer. Of course, as they get ready, the USMNT for the Nations League. Uh, Ari Alaverdi, go at go Bazan, all Iranian soccer in English, by the way. Thank you so much, buddy. Yolo Chang as well, BBC Wales News. Fantastic stuff. Make sure to follow everybody at Lolo Chang. And uh, is it just at go Bazan, Aria? Do you have a personal one or you just want to keep yes. plugging your pot? No, yeah, well, that is my personal account is uh, at Oh, Ariel beautiful. Alaverdi. Two for one. I love it. I love it. And at Heath Pierce. Thank you, everybody. I'm. This is Kegolasso. We continue our World Cup coverage all summer. So make sure you go to youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. We have so much great content, including the 10 best World Cup teams that never won the World Cup. And part two will be coming soon as well, as well as Group C, Group D, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, on Monday, the 13th of June, which is my birthday, Peru will hopefully make it back to the World Cup. You're damn right. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Till then. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.